We're continuing the Shir in Likutei Halachas. Orachaim, Chelek Aleph, Hilchas Hashkomas Habriker, Halacha Gimel. We're in the middle of paragraph Aleph. In our Likutei Halachas, it's page 12, the left-hand column, about halfway down the page. A subparagraph that begins with the words, Ukesheyesh Loi Emuna Shleimu. Rab Nelson Zal says, Ukesheyesh Loi Emuna Be'emes Bishleimus. And when a person has complete faith, then through that person's eating can be accomplished a union between Hashem and the Shekhinah. This Rabbeinu Zal discusses in chapter 62 in Likut Imran, which this haloch is based on. Because the whole purification and tikkun of our eating and our foods is accomplished through emuna. Rabbeinu Zaldeh brings the posik shchon eretz urei emuna. Urei means to pasture. That the pasturing, the achila, the tikkun of the achila is done through emuna. Ve'ikar shleimus ve'kishute emuna. And Rabbeinu Zal goes on to say over there on Likut Imran that the main perfection and beautification of the emuna is hainu lekarev dafka hamaruchokim is when we're, when we're zechet, to take people who are far from Hashem and bring them close. And in order to accomplish that, we have to be able to elevate sparks of speech that have fallen into the tumor, into the impurity. We have to be able to elevate them, take them out of the impurity, out of their fallen state. And when we succeed in doing that, when we take the dibur out of its fallen state, the dibur turns around, and it gathers other sparks of holiness that are found in the tumah, in the impurity, and, and helps them go up. Then Rabbi Nezal goes on to say there, and in order to elevate the sparks of speech that have fallen, Tzorech letainus. This requires fasting, abstaining from eating, the chulu, etc. Each one of the remarks Rab Nelson Zal is saying here now is a major paragraph in that chapter in the Kutimran, where Rab Nelson expounds on it and explains it. Because by a person having a desire to eat and drink to excess, this desire is considered one of the main types, one of the main desires of a human being that can be taken, unfortunately, to excessive levels. When this desire becomes strong in a person, this desire for excessive eating, it, it draws that person's speech down, out of the holiness, out of the realm of holiness, and into the exile of Egypt. Eating is done by the mouth, the mouth, the teeth, and the food goes down the throat, the food pipe. But we know behind the mouth, in back of the mouth, we have what's known as the oiref, ha'oiref, the back of the neck, which is the same letters as the word paroi. And we have also the klipois, major leaders of tumah of impurity, which are referred to as the Sar HaMashkin, the Sar HaOifim, the Sar HaTabochim, the three major 
ministers that Parai had that are mentioned in the Torah, in the story of Yesvat Tzadik, the one who was in charge of the baking, the one who was in charge of the drinks, and the one who was in charge of the meat. And the Zohar Kodesh expounds to show that they represent three leaders of Klippa, of Tumah, and they are found in back of the mouth. So that when a person is eating with holiness, when a person is eating the right amount, the food goes to the proper location, and it, it helps the person, it elevates the person, it gives satisfaction to Hashem. When a person eats improperly, especially when a person eats to excess with taiva sachila, then the food goes to the back. It goes backwards, not forwards. It falls into the hands of Paroi and these three sorin, which means it goes into the exile, the exile of Egypt. This is discussed in the Zohar Kodesh, in the writings of Yarizal, and in the Sifrei Hasidus. And Rabbein Azal goes on to say there, when that happens, when the forces of evil are strong and powerful, then in order to defend themselves, when the holiness finds itself surrounded by the forces of evil and they're strong, then the two characters within the holiness are forced to unite in, in a back-to-back -back format. We've mentioned this in the past, that we speak about the union, the unity between Hashem and the Shekhinah. And usually when we speak about a union or a unity, we're talking about face-to-face, -face, where the male and female are face-to-face -face with each other. However, people who study self-defense, people who study the art of fighting and doing battle, when you have two people who are surrounded by five or ten people who are against them, who are opponents to them, the safest position that those two can take in order to try to defend themselves against the five or ten is that the two should be back to back. By doing this, what they're doing is seeing to it that there is no back. Because whenever there's a back, when you don't have eyes in back of your head. If there's a back, somebody can attack you from behind and it's almost impossible to defend yourself. But if the two people position themselves back to back and they move together, they move together so that they never leave their back exposed, then they're always facing their enemies. Always, the enemy is always addressing a face, and that's their best chance of defense. Lahavdil, in the Sifrei Kabbalah, we're told that this is the position that Hashem and the Shekhinah take Kavyochel. When there are circumstances whereby the Klippos, the forces of Tumah, have become powerful and strong, and the Kedusha is outnumbered, or it's in a weak position, then in order for the Shekhinah to be well defended, properly defended and guarded from the Klippos being able to draw too much from the Shekhinah, what the Shekhinah does is it forms a back-to-back -back relationship with Hashem Kavyochel. They are ochr ba'ochr, back to back at that time. As Rabbi Nezal mentions here, when this happens, this golos mitzrayim, the klipo is strong because of taiv sachila, then we have to attach the backs of the kedusha sheloyinku, so that the klipo should not be able to draw, they shouldn't be able to attack the back, which is the most vulnerable place. 
who are Yedei Hatainus. And Rabbein Azal goes on to show over there in that the way that we attach the back of Kedusha is by fasting. Rabbein Azal shows over there that we know that two of the most basic names of Hashem that we refer to many times are Yudke Vavke and Elokim. Yudke Vavke usually represents chesed, kindness. Elokim represents judgment. And we speak about the union between these two also, between Yudke Vavke and Elokim uniting. When you put together 26 and 86, it becomes 112, which is Yaboik, Yud Beis Kuf, which is the, makes up the first letters of the words Yichud, Bracha, Kedusha, the union between blessing and holiness. Yudke Vavke is called blessing. It's more to the side of kindness. Elokim is referred to as holiness, which is something that requires abstention, careful, more, of, more towards the side of din, judgment, restrictions, limitations. These two names of Hashem Yud Kevavke and Elokim have many different formats to them. One of the formats is called Milui, when we fill out the name. We fill out each letter, we turn each letter into a word. So Yud is spelled Yud Vav Dalet, the way you pronounce it. Hey is spelled Hey Yud. Vav is spelled Vav Yud Vav. And Hey is spelled Hey Yud. In this format, the gematria of all 10 of those letters is 72. Hashem's name Elohim, when we write it out in its full form, Aleph spelled Aleph Lamed Pei, Lamed spelled Lamed Mem Dalet, like a word. The numerical value is 300. The Milui, the filling out of Yud Kei in the form that we said it, Yud's, was 72. The filling out of Elohim was 300. Together, it makes the word sova. Sova means full or plentifulness, blessing, you know, sovea, satisfied. That's when we look at the milui, the filling out of Yudke Vavke and Elohim. When we look at the achorayim, there's something in Kabbalah, we spoke many times about achorayim, where you move fo- a step forward and then backwards. Two steps forward, two steps backwards. Three steps forward, we do yud, then we go, we don't go forward to hey, we go back to yud, yud hey. Then we don't go forward to vav, we go back to yud, yud hey vav. Then we go back again to the beginning, yud ke vav ke. That's called achorayim. We're always going back before we go forwards. Achorayim represents din, judgment, harshness, because retreating back, backwards. So the Achorayim of Yud Kevavke is also 72. Interestingly, the Milui was 72, the Achorayim is 72. However, the Achorayim of Elokim, when we do Aleph, Aleph Lamed, Aleph Lamed Hey, and so it equals 200. The Milui was 300, the Achorayim was 200. When we put the two Achorayims together, you get the word Ro'ov, which means famine, hunger, the exact opposite of sova. Sova is full. The person is full. They've, you know, tremendous blessing and everything. That's sova. That's the filling out of Yudke Vavke Elokim. The Achorayim, the backwards of Yudke Elokim, 
is ro'a, which means famine, hunger, or fasting. So Rabbein Azal writes there in Likut Iman that when there is din, when there's judgment, which means when there's this pr- problem t- through, as a result of taiva sachila and the forces of Tumah are strong, the way we said that then the, the Hashem and the Shekhinah have to be back-to-back in order to defend themselves. The back-to-back of Yud Kevav Kelokim is Ra'av, which is fasting. Rabbi Nazar says then the Tikkun is to fast. Gam, in addition, Rabbi, Rabbi Nazar explains, Ki Iker Kol Hadvorim Hein HaHaschola. The main part of anything is the beginning. The most important part that's going to determine the success or failure of something usually is the beginning, the foundation, the first muzim. Ki kol has because the Gemara says all beginnings are difficult. And usually if you can get through the beginning, then you're okay. For example, in marriage, they say, some people say the first year is the most difficult. And then there are some people who after they're married 45 years, they say the first 45 years are the most difficult, and they know from then on in it's going to get easier. But in any case, the beginning is considered to be difficult. Once you get through the beginning of any new project or new undertaking, usually the rest is easier. And Rabbein Azal explains over there, fasting is something that involves going back to the beginning always. Because the whole power of a fast is determined by when you started. The whole pain in not eating, you know, as you tell any person not to eat for an hour, most normal people, that ain't no big deal. But if you tell a person not to eat after they've already not eaten for 36 hours, if you tell a person not to eat for one hour and they started not eating 37 hours ago, that's something a little more interesting. That's more difficult. So Rabbeinu Sal shows over there in the Kutiman that the whole effect of a fast is based on the beginning, when you started fasting. Again, to abstain from eating for five minutes or an hour or two hours, no big deal. But that same amount of time, to abstain from eating for 60 minutes, from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, if you started not eating yesterday or two days ago, that's much different. That hour has a completely different seriousness to it. So the whole power of fasting is based on the haschola. And then, when the backs of the holiness, the backs of Hashem and the Shechina are locked together, so that the Klippos can't get in there to try to draw from the back of the Shechina, because the back of the Shechina is attached to the back of Hashem. There's no exposed back. Then, the face of the holiness reveals itself. It's the face that they're all contending with because the backs are covered totally. Kedei lohoitzi bolom And the, the holiness is going to try to remove what the tumah has swallowed up, all the holiness that the tumah has swallowed up while it was being successful. The holiness is engaging them in battle to try to retrieve to try to extract from the tumor the sparks of holiness that can be rescued. And then all those people who are far from Hashem, who are far from Kedusha, start turning towards Kedusha, towards faith. As the Pasuk says, 
in Svanya, paragraph chapter three. Oz ehefoich Eloamim sofa brura. Hashem says, then I will turn around to all the other nations a clear speech. Rabbeinazal says, what does that mean? What does it mean, I'll turn around the speech? This is what we mentioned earlier, that when the tzaddikim are zeichet to extract sparks of speech from the klipos, from the strachra, first they extract those sparks of speech, then those sparks of speech turn around and turn back to the Tumah and go in there again on a rescue mission this time to try to rescue other sparks of Kedusha from there. That's why the Pesach uses that term, Ahafoich, I will turn around the speech. So hu this Dibur that was rescued from among the Klippos, hu hoifech turns around to go facing again those nations, in order to retrieve and rescue from within the Klippos other sparks of Kedusha that are found there. And then we see the fulfillment of the second half of this Pasuk, Likroi Kulam B'Shem Hashem. That all of these, the sparks of speech and the other sparks of Kedusha that have been rescued from the, from the Klippos, all of them get together to proclaim Hashem, to announce the greatness of Hashem. And this is the real beautification of faith, of the Shekhinah. The real beautification is when the other side, when we've been able to rescue sparks of holiness that were trapped in the other side, and they come out of the Tumah, and they're singing Hashem's praises, that's the real beauty of Emunah. That's the greatness. Just like by Yisro. Yisro was the Pope, a major idol worshiper. He was totally involved in Tumah and everything. When he left the Tumah and came forward and said, I acknowledge the greatness of Hashem, that was the real glorification of Emunah, of the Shekhinah. Continuing, Rav Zal is still quoting this whole first paragraph with all its parts, is still basically quoting from Likut Imran. He's giving us the building blocks that we need upon which he's going to build his halacha until Bayes, until paragraph Bayes. Vizehu and this is what Rabbeinu Zalavadein Likutiman quotes the Zohar Kodesh in Mishpotim, Dav Tzadikei, where the Zohar Kodesh describes the Shekhinah as Ulimto Shapirto, the Leslo Ainen, a beautiful maiden who has no eyes, who can't see. Nafkes Betzafra, she comes out in the morning, Vizkasya Biyamama, and is covered during the day. Because the emuna is new by every Jew every single morning. As the Pesach says in Eicha chapter 3, that every new in the morning is the in- increase in faith. Every single morning a Jew experiences a renewal of faith. Why? And this faith, this Shekhinah, is covered up during the day. Why? Because of the busyness, because of people getting involved in work and all kinds of other stuff, 
Because of that, the Shekhinah has to be covered and protected. Because people are going out into the world, into the marketplace, doing all kinds of stuff, engaging with non-Jews and all kinds of tumors. So at that point, the Shekhinah has to be covered up and protected. And at that point in time, the emuna, which is synonymous with the Shekhinah, tries to plea on behalf of those who are distant from Hashem, tries to plead their case to Hashem, tries to beg Hashem to help them come back, to help them return to the Kedusha. That Hashem should bring them close. This is what's hinted to in the Pesach and Chumash in the beginning of Parshas Vayigash, where it says, Vayigash Elov Yehuda, that Yehuda approached Yosef HaTzadik. And the Zohar HaKadosh says on that, Do Tikruvta de Malka Bamalka. This is the approaching of one king and another king. They were both king. Yehuda was the king of the brothers. Yosef HaTzadik at that time was a king in Egypt. He was in charge of the whole economy of Egypt, which was the world economy. So the Zohar Kodesh says, these are the two kings coming together. And, and what does Yehuda say to Yosef HaTzadik? You better listen carefully, buddy, to what I'm going to say now, because to me, you're just like Paroi. Ma Paroi goizer just like Paroi, issues decrees and doesn't have the power to carry them out. Afato goizer you you also can issue a decrees, you ain't going to necessarily have the power to carry them out. Ki tzadik mevatel, because the tzadik has the power to nullify the decrees. Ein shom kol zeh Rab says, all of this that he's presented till now has all been quoting bits and pieces from this major, major chapter on Likut Imran, chapter 62, which is a major chapter, Rabbein Zalvir explains every single thing that we mentioned here. Rav Nelson Zal is giving it to us in brief to prepare us that on this he's going to build his halacha now. Paragraph Beis. Now we can understand how the Shulchan Aruch begins. Chapter 1. That a Jew should be strong like a lion in getting up in the morning. That he should awaken the shachar, the morning star. We know that emuna in Sifrei Kabbalah and in Sifrei Hasidus is referred to as malchus, which is referred to as shachar. Shachar also means blackness, because the malchus is compared to the moon, which has no light of its own. It's dark in itself. It only reflects the light of the sun. Bechinas ayeles hashachar. The the ayeles hashachar is also a nickname for the shechina that's used in a pasuk in Tehillim, the famous chapter of Tehillim that Esther Hamalka recited when she was coming. She was about to go before Achashverosh. So this term shachar and ayeles hashachar refer to the shechina malchus. Emuna. Because the real perfection of Emuna is in the morning. As the Pesach says, new every morning is the increase in faith. As the Pesach says over there, that the Emuna comes forth 
in the morning. It comes forth, you know, in, in, in a new elevation. And for this reason, that's why the Amuna is called Shacha, because Shacha means darkness, and Shacha also means the morning star. Because when is the Amuna at its peak? At the morning star. When the morning star comes up early in the morning, that's when the Amuna is at a high. And therefore, each and every person has to get up like a lion. And to try very hard to get up early in the morning, before the morning star comes up. In order to get involved in learning Torah and davening, and thereby elevate and complete and expand the Amuna. That's what the Shulchan Aruch means when it says, you should wake up the morning star. Meaning, Ma'or means to wake up and to inspire, to turn it on, to explode it. I wake up the morning star. That the Jew should be zeicher by his serving Hashem before it gets light outside, when it's still dark, to wake up the shachar, the emuna, no, to, to give it new strength. Because that's the time when we have the opportunity to elevate and to complete the emuna. That's its time, early in the morning, before the morning star comes up. That's when the emuna receives the greatest aliyah, it reaches the greatest height and perfection when that morning star comes up. So those people who are up before that, and they're gunning, they're stepping on the accelerator, they're learning Torah and davening and everything, they are participating in elevating, in helping lift up that emuna to its peak, which is going to take place, you know, when the morning star comes up. As we said, new in the morning, that the emuna, the Shekhinah, goes forth in the morning. Now, Rav Nosson Zalid, the Iker Shlemus Suavoidohu, Lizgaber Maoid, Lamoid, Bechol Laila, Bechatsois Laila. And the real perfection of serving Hashem is when a person tries very hard to get up every night at midnight. Kemavura Bezoira Kodesh, Bekama, Vekama, Makoimois, as is discussed. In the Zohar Kodesh, in many, many places, the strict warning that the Zohar Kodesh gives, that any person who is really religious, who really respects Hashem, is obligated to get up at midnight, specifically. Ki Iker, Rav wants to make it clear here that this isn't just a cute thing, it's a nice the extra credit. This is really an important part of Yiddishkeit for those who can, for, for those for whom it's possible. And even if it requires some extra effort, some pushing, then we need to know it's very worthwhile. Ki Iker, Shleimus, Uemunag Doisho, Walidei, Shemevatlin, Umeshabrin, Umevarin, Midaito, Shnei Mine, Kushia, Sukfirasnal. Because the real perfection of the emuna 
is by a Jew succeeding in eliminating and destroying completely from his mind the two different types of questions that we discussed earlier. One category is those questions which can't be answered in this physical world, in this materialistic world. There is no answer whatsoever available now in this physical world. Because about those questions, the Pasuk says, Any person who dares to try to enter into studying that, is going to go to a place of no return. They're going to go down to a place where they're not going to be able to come back up. And regarding those questions, the person has to rely only on faith. And in addition, there are those questions which a person can resolve and we said, unfortunately, even those questions which we can get answers for, sometimes the paths of knowledge are closed, are clogged up, and the person's in a position where they can't get the answers. And these questions apply to each and every single Jew in his own manner. Each person based on their level of knowledge. And Rabbein Azal shows over there in Likut Ilan that when this happens, when the paths of Seichel are closed, are clogged up, if you want to open them up, the way that you accomplish it is by learning halacha, poiskim. Va'oz, as we mentioned earlier, towards the beginning of the Salacha, and as Rabbein Azal expounds over there in Likut Imran, Va'oz, Zoichen L'Sholoim, by learning Halacha, a person is privileged to accomplish peace, because we said, until you know the Halacha, you're in a state of conflict. I don't know what to do. Should I do that? Can I do Am I allowed to? Am I not allowed to? Should I do this? Should I do that? That's Machloikis. I'm divided. But once a person learns halacha properly and they resolve the question, then there's peace. Suddenly I'm at peace. There's no more confusion. There's no more doubt. I know exactly which direction to go in. So through this peace, we eliminate the machloikis, which is the, the doubts about Hashem. And then a person acquires the knowledge to be able to know how to respond to the doubts and the questions in his own heart, the doubts that he has about Hashem or Tzadikim, etc. Rab Nosson Zal explains now, based on this, you'll be, able to, you'll be able to understand why it's so important to try hard to get up at midnight. Because day versus night is the same as light versus darkness, which is the same as knowledge versus foolishness. One example of foolishness is lack of knowledge. When a person doesn't know anything about something, then regarding that item, they're foolish. They're foolish. As Rabbein Azal discusses this 
in the beginning of chapter 37 in Likut Iman, Dir Shoshem Buzoi, Shehadas Subchinas Oyer, that Das corresponds to light. Shedding light on a situation means understanding the situation properly. And foolishness is a form of lack of knowledge. Darkness. Because darkness comes from lack of das. Which means that the das is hidden. That's where these questions are coming from. The reason why the person has these questions is because they are lacking in knowledge in a certain area. Because it's brought in the Zohar Kodesh, and here we're given the, one of the sources for this is in the Siddur of the Arizal, the Siddur that's called Koel Yaakov, which has a lot of the Kavanas of the Arizal in it, page 142. It's brought there, katporis lelia gadfo, when the night spreads its wings, meaning it spreads its darkness, azai mistatmen tarim beganeden, then the gates of ganeden are closed, venimuse gardune nofkin bealma, and all kinds of troublemakers, all kinds of klipois, all kinds of harmful angels go out into the world. And the world at that time is being led by the queen. Not by Hashem Kaviochel, but Kaviochel by Hashem's queen. Hainu, this means, Rav Nosson Zal explains, Because at night is when the darkness is getting is strong. Darkness, which represents lack of das. Shehu stimas taran beganeden, which means the gates of Ganeden are closed. Shehem bechina shvilei hasechel. The gates of Ganeden are synonymous with the gates of knowledge, the gates of wisdom. Vooz nimusega dun enafkem bialma, and then these klipois, these forces of tuma, these harmful angels, go out into the world. They're roaming the world, and they are prevalent, and they're able to do all kinds of damage and harm. This refers to the Midas Hadin, all kinds of judgments and klipas. Whereby these, these forces of Din and Klipa, they draw power from lack of faith in Hashem, from questions, people who, are, who have doubts about Hashem, that's where the Klipas draw their strength from. And that's especially prevalent at night, because night is darkness. Darkness represents lack of knowledge, which is from where a lot of these questions come from. Simply, the person never learned. There are people who have all kinds of big, powerful questions against Hashem, simply because they never took the time to open a book and start reading. Read the Chumash, read the Mishnais, read the Gemara, find out what it's all about. If you study the Torah, you find that there are much, much more answers than you have questions. So this concept of the doubts and the questions that a person has about Hashem, which represent an aspect of darkness, this corresponds to what the Zohar Kodesh says, that at night when it's dark, the gates of Ganeiden are closed, which means the gates of Seichel, the gates of Chachma, the flow of Chachma, is shut down.
And therefore, Hashem shifts gears and he turns over the reins. Hashem gives over the control of the world to the queen. This refers to the holy queen, which is referred to as emuna, faith. The king is called Chachma. A king has his advisors. A king is known for his Chachma. Shloimah HaMelech, the ultimate king, the Torah says about him, Vayechka Mikolodom, he was the smartest. The queen, he represents the sun. The queen, on the other hand, represents the moon, the darkness, nighttime, which is emuna, which is a time when you need emuna, as the Pesach says, ve'emunascha baleilois, at night, when the darkness, when a person doesn't have clear seichel, they have to resort to emuna. Because at night, when it's dark, when the das leaves, then a Jew has to fortify himself and focus only on faith. Which is synonymous with Malchus. The queen. And that's the passage that tells us at night time, Focus on your emuna. When things are dark, when your seichel is not clear, when you don't understand, no problem. Shift gears, switch to emuna. And as this is discussed in chapter 35 in the Kutiman, Ayn Shom. Look over there. And now you'll understand also why it's normal and proper to sleep at night. The first half of the night, especially, we're talking about. Because at night is when darkness is flowing in the world. And the, the, the darkness in this world is a result of the heavenly darkness, which, which, is, which is the result of the incredible depth as the Pesach says, Yoshes Choshech Sisroi. Hashem places his hiddenness in darkness. I remember learning this for the first time and not knowing what it was talking about and asking Rav Rosenfeld about it and Chazdei Hashem, he knew very well and was able to explain it. We know that Chachma, Chachma, Chesed, those Midois of Hashem are referred to as light, forms of light. And, and forms of kindness, giving. And when we speak about, we've spoken about this many times, that the vowels, the, the vowels in the Hebrew alphabet correspond to the midos of Hashem. Chachma is referred to as, pa, corresponds to Pasach. Pasach means to open up, poseach. In the midah of Chachma, the door is open. The light is open. When you go above Chachma, you would say above Chochmah, the, the, there's even a, a brighter light, right? The light is even more open. The answer is no. Above Chochmah, you have the Keser, where because it is so high a light, because it is so much more powerful than Chochmah, so if that light, if we could see that light, it would blind us, the Nekuda, the corresponding vowel to that is called Comets. Comets means closed, hidden. That light is hidden. 
So, so a person looking kaviyochol, if we could look at the keser, if we could look at chachma, we would see light. If we were to look past chachma to the keser, what would we see? Darkness. Is it dark because of absence of light? Chas v'shom. It's dark because the light is so bright that it appears to us as darkness. It's like when you look directly at the sun, in three seconds, you will see black. The only thing you'll see is black because your eye can't handle the light is too bright for your life. So Rav Nosanzal says the darkness that we experience down here on earth at night is a result of that keser, that oime kamusav, that darkness, that heavenly darkness, which is coming because there's such a deep high light there that it's got to be closed and hidden. This corresponds to those questions about Hashem which are too high for this world. We can't answer, we can't delve into that, into this world, because it's above the knowledge that's available to us in this world. And you can't find answers for those questions in this physical, materialistic world whatsoever. Because these questions are a form of darkness, hamastirin which hide the revelation of Hashem's light. People who have these questions, unfortunately, so many of them, as a result of that, they, they refuse to accept Hashem's authority. And this darkness cannot be removed no matter how much you learn, no matter how much you study and more, it ain't going to push, it ain't going to resolve these questions. The only way to address these questions in this world is only with faith. It is impossible in this world to find answers to these questions. We have to resort only to emuna. Our response to those questions is, you're right, I don't know, and it's not a problem. I'm perfectly happy to be attached to Hashem, to love Hashem, respect Hashem, serve Hashem, even though I don't understand this, even though this is a question to me. And this is the whole concept of going to sleep at night. Because when a person goes to sleep, they're putting their brain aside. They're shutting down the brain. And when a person goes to sleep, their brain goes into a different location. It goes into a place called emuna, faith. And the person is renewed. And through, uh, uh, seems there's some kind of a printer's mistake here, I believe. I, ah, that's what it is. V'neschadish shom, it should say. There's a few extra words here. You have to skip to the next line where it's v'neschadish shom. The das goes into emuna, and it's renewed there. It's rejuvenated there. Bebechinas, as the Pesach says, chadoshim labekorim, brand new in the morning, rabba emuna secha, a heightening of faith. Kimavur bedivrei rabbeinu zal batoyra hom. As rabbeinu zal elaborates on this in chapter 35 in Likutei Moran, Ayin Shom, look over there. 
during the darkness of night, when these forces of Tumor are taking over, and, and the questions which can't be answered, when those questions are swimming around, which represent the darkness of night, then we have to go to sleep, which is how we perfect the brain, we give the brain rest. Then a person has to put his thinking aside. That's sleep. And to be able to rely only on faith. That's what sleep is all about, really. I'm putting my thinking, my intellect aside completely. And I'm relying only on emuna. That's the concept of accepting Hashem's authority blindly, in a sense. Which we do, we accept Hashem's authority right before we go to sleep, by reciting the Shema then. Where we declare our faith in the oneness of Hashem. Because when a person is sleeping, the brain, the intellect goes into emunah mode at that time. Because regarding these questions, which we can't answer, we can't resolve in this world, they represent the full darkness of night. When a person is being attacked by those kind of questions, He's got to put his intellect aside completely. Like a person going to sleep, I'm closing my eyes. And to rely only on emuna, only on faith.